sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, Stacy Washington. Welcome to the program. It's the day after Judgment Day. <laughs> yeah, and yes, I can laugh. I can giggle. I can uh, have an upbeat attitude about this because guess what? That wasn't anything that was a huge surprise. Um, the, the House going to the Democrats. It wasn't even a historic wave election. They didn't sweep anything. And after all of the uh, hullabaloo about this star and that star coming here and there and campaigning for these Democrats and the amount of money that was spent. Um, they've got to be really counting the cost and thinking, um, you know, buyer's remorse overspent. Of course, controlling the House means they can kind of derail the president's agenda, but no more than the lackluster Republicans who only permitted tax reform to pass uh, during this last two-year session. So, um, yeah, I'm disappointed that we didn't prevail, but I'm not actually surprised. And, and there is nothing new under the sun, right? And so that's our daily confession for today. Listen, a GOP Senate, the House goes to the angry mob. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Call lines are open as always. You can dial in to 866-963-2037. I'm Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. AFR.net, UrbanFamilyTalk.com are the websites where you can find the podcasts and more information about what we do here. Uh, and I want to talk to you about our first guest. We have Sink K. Henderson. He returns. He's a Democrat, but he also is moderate on a ton of different issues. He's going to give us his take on what happened last night across the country. Um, it should be a very interesting conversation when he came on last to discuss his book, Sit Down and Shut Up, How Discipline Can Set Students Free. We found that uh, discussion between a diehard Republican such as myself and a pretty, pretty you know, he's on the left. He's he's a liberal Democrat could be fascinating and engaging. And so we're going to do it again. We are also going to have election analysis throughout the program. We'll be taking your calls and we're going to talk about what next steps are. What does it look like with, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi, as speaker? The president has been very open with his feelings that he would prefer to see a Nancy Pelosi speakership as opposed to someone else. Uh, and I think that's because Nancy Pelosi's comments of late have really been a moderating factor for her party. Yeah, she says crazy stuff all the time. This, this, you know, that statement does not erase uh, the many, many clips we've played of her just really, you know, kind of bonkers statements. But you have to admit that compared to some others in her party who would possibly take it over uh, the speakership. She's she's not the worst option. She may be the best option among the bunch. So I can see the president's reasoning there. We'll get into his uh, altercation with uh, Jim Acosta. Of course, I have thoughts about that. And we're also going to be dipping into some uh, conversation about what the markets are doing in response to divided government. And uh, we're going to also just touch on a historical look back because there there's precedent here for us to be kind of excited because sometimes when the Republicans can't get something done. Democrats who want something in exchange can get something done. So we'll see. We'll see how that all cracks up. Uh, right now, I want to do our daily confession. So you're probably thinking, well, what are we going to be confessing today? Like, what's our daily confession going to be today with 
what happened last night, you know, it wasn't a total victory. And I'm like, you know, I, I like winning too. I, I love a total victory. It's fun. It, it's, it's a sense of relief. You're like, wow, you know, we worked, we prayed, we, 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 we got what we wanted. But God works in all of these circumstances and nothing is new to him. So our con- daily confession for today is Ecclesiastes chapter one. And I'm going to give you a bit of it, like a good chunk of it, but it's because it's so appropriate to waking up this morning with, you know, just a few months down the road, Nancy Pelosi will be behind the speaker's gavel again. And some people are acting like it's the end of the world and other people are yawning and moving on with their coffee and and things that they have to get done for the day. It says, vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man from all of his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises, the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind towards the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run to the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which is and what is what will be, that which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new? It has already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who come after. So part of what's being said here, and this is a difficult passage to kind of interpret, and I'm not going to go into all of it, but the reason this was encouraging to me is that this isn't the first time you've had an agenda stopped mid midway by an electorate that said, you know what, I, I want to see something different in the purse strings. I want to give some control back to the Democrats. Now, I think it's unfortunate that uh, Hillary Clinton said last a uh, couple weeks ago that the the way to get the people calmed down, the way to stop the violence and the incivility and the, and the mobs was to give the Democrats control. Um, I, I thought that was an unfortunate statement for her to make. I said so at the time. And I don't think that that was the impetus for voters to make the decisions that were made across the country that turned the control of the House back over to the Democrats. But I do think it's instructive for us to understand that there is also a way that God can move in this circumstance to bring about his will for this nation. It doesn't have to be that we would have, you know, a a super majority in the House in order to get anything done. And what kind of really bolstered my thought that this was a great scripture for us today was earlier, uh, mid-morning, when the president took the podium to do the press conference, he said that one of the issues he'd had during the first two years of his presidency was that, you know, he'd often have these really bedrock ideas that he would try to get legislation passed. And he'd say, you know, look, Congress, I I need you guys in the House to pass this bill so we can get a corresponding bill in the Senate and you can get some, some legislation on my desk for me to sign. And Often in the House, because there are these different little conferences within the Republican Party, you'd have one or two or 10 or 20 uh, Republican House members band together and say, we're not going to come with you on this. We're not going to we're not going to work with you on this bill until we get X. And so, of course, that's that's horse trading. That's negotiation. There's nothing really wrong with that 
in and of itself, but it stalled the president's agenda. There was also the issue of a lot of those guys in there not really being solid Republicans, and they just didn't want to work with Donald Trump. And so he didn't have the success he could have had in his first two years. We didn't defund Planned Parenthood. We didn't get the wall funding enshrined so that it couldn't be taken away. We, we, didn't, we didn't do the things that Donald Trump said, hey, I'm running on this. And Republicans who were running at the time said, we're running on this. And those who were already in office kind of said, well, we, we didn't run on that. We aren't running on that. And when you get here, we're not going to help you with it. If you win, we're not going to help you with it. And so that's an unfortunate reality that we've dealt with for the past two years. Now, here we are with the lame duck session until January. And then when January comes, the, the, the Democrats will commence with their investigations. They plan on demanding the president's tax returns. Now, mind you, does, does it sound like governing? Does that sound like they have the interest, the best interest of the American people at heart? What happens if we get to look at Donald Trump's tax returns? Do I get money from that? Do I get um, less regulation? Does it help my business? Does it help my local taxes? Does it move the needle for me on any of the issues that impact me on a daily basis? No. And when I say that, just put yourself in that same sentence, multiply that by 100 million people, and you have 100 million people who are now, you just woke up this morning, you now know that the House of Representatives isn't going to be doing anything for you. They're not going to be doing anything to protect you, and they're not going to be doing anything for you because under the Democrats, the only thing they want to do is tear down the president. They have no agenda. Oh, I'm sorry. Nancy Pelosi did say they want to take your guns. So in addition to not having anything improve in your life, they also want you to be at the behest of any criminal who might want to break your door down or accost you in a a dark alleyway or rape you in midday, which has happened here in St. Louis, city of St. Louis. People get raped in the middle of the day, just walking down the street. And, And am I being extreme? Absolutely not. I don't think the person who was a victim of that attack, the multiple women who were victims of that attack over a three week period would say that sounds extreme at all. They'd say, man, I wish I'd had a gun on me, man. I wish I'd owned a gun and been trained and been ready for that attack because that would have prevented me from experiencing this victim from being victimized. And so there's nothing extreme about telling the truth about the fact that a democratically controlled house doesn't mean anything good for you in the way of legislation. They talk about Obamacare and pre-existing conditions, yet they've turned down every deal, every offer that's been made to fix, patch, repeal and replace, do anything with Obamacare because they knew it was a winning issue for them in the midterms and they only, con- they only care about control and power. So I'm saying all of that in conjunction with that scripture to say this: nothing has changed. Nothing really has changed. In fact, The ground may be a little more favorable to the president in that with Nancy Pelosi, they have a long standing working relationship. It's been adversarial this last two, two and a half, three years. But before that, uh, he's donated to her campaigns. They've had dinner together. She's been down to his homes and and all of that stuff that there's a working relationship there. And so if they could find things to horse trade on, they will. And and that's coming from me. Uh, You know, they don't call me Stacey on the right because I'm on the left. I don't I don't agree with compromising on bedrock ideals like the funding of abortion or uh, the funding of the border wall or laws that we already have on the books, softening them up so that lawbreakers and mobsters can run amok with with impunity. I don't agree with that. But I'm also not a member of Congress. I'm not a senator. I don't work on the Hill. I'm not a part of that process. So I can afford to have my rigid stance and hold it because I don't have to make any deals. 
but the president cannot. So the key here is that we have to keep praying. At no point have we surprised God. He didn't turn around and say, oh my goodness, wow, would you look at that? The Americans have given over the control of the House to, uh, to the Democrats. Woo, that's shocking. No, he, he was aware that this was going to happen. He knew it. He's in control. We have to continue to pray and exercise our duties as the governed. We're citizens. We have to make sure and hold people's feet to the fire. And we have to be prepared to vote next time as well. I know there's this running joke online, and I see it all the time. I saw it this time around as well, that this is the most important election of our lives. The, 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 what, what will we do? It's the most important election of our lives. Well, we should really feel that way about every election because every single election is an opportunity for us to vote our conscience and honor God graciously and gratefully acknowledging the fact that we live here in this country and we're so fortunate to have the right to vote, the responsibility to vote, and the ability to change our circumstances through the political process. So every election is the most important election because we should be participating. And we did. And so we got some great results. I was so happy to see uh, Ted Cruz maintain his seat. I'm I continue to be disappointed on a personal side that he refuses to come on the program and has rebuffed our interview requests. But that doesn't mean I don't support his legislative agenda. And I'm happy to see him remain the senator from the great state of Texas. And there were other wins that were very consequential. Namely, we Missourians no longer have to be represented by a diehard practicing Catholic who is also a diehard abortion supporter. Claire McCaskill was not just beaten by Josh Hawley, but completely ousted, run over. He just ran over her with an almost 10-point lead, beating her and ousting her from the Senate, which is what she deserved. So there were many bright spots last night. But no matter how bright or dim they may have been, nothing new under the sun. We continue on. When we return after these good messages, which you should stay tuned for, we'll have Sinke Henderson. He's a writer for HBO's The Newsroom. He's a Democrat, and he's going to give us a little bit of election reaction. Stay there. Ingram of Redeem Clean felt God call him to support the American Family Association. I'm a laundryman. I'm the son of a laundryman too. I love clean clothes. I love the business. I love everything about it. This project was built exclusively to support AFA and AFR. There's no strings attached. Another thing that I would like to see come out of this is that I would like to see other business people feel a calling to support ministries, wherever and whatever they do to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In addition to your regular AFA giving, Redeem Clean Laundry Detergent allows you to increase your support of AFA just by continuing to wash your family's clothes. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more, find options, and get Redeem Clean products at redeemclean.afastore.net. 
That's redeemclean.afastore.net. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. If you live long enough, you come to the conclusion that there are certain seasons of life. I'm not just referring to your age. There are seasons of joy and sorrow and testing and waiting and moving. A friend from Denver says, if you don't like the weather here, just sit tight. It will change. I've observed that the people who get the most out of life are those who can make the most of the changes in life. They're flexible. Listen to these familiar words in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What about you? What season is it in your life? Are you making the adjustments you need to make? Frustration comes when we battle with where we are rather than responding to God and thanking Him and asking Him to give us what we need to really embrace the seasons of our lives. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Whether or not we change or adjust, life changes. We must adjust to where we are and thrive in our season. Crawford Loritz is Senior Pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in suburban Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, go to livingalegacy.org. Legacy Moment is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, you can go to StacyOnTheRight.com, at StacyOnTheRight on Twitter and Instagram, and you can hit the follow button. We'd appreciate that. So now it's my pleasure to welcome our guest for this hour. We have Sinke Henderson, former writer for HBO's The Newsroom and author of Sit Down and Shut Up, How Discipline Can Set Students Free. Sinke, thanks for joining the show today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So let's talk about it. The uh, the results last night for the midterm election were mixed. Uh, the Republicans yep. gained seats in the Senate, and the the as was expected. I I actually didn't believe it myself, but it it has come to fruition. The the House has gone to uh, the Democrats, and Nancy Pelosi will m- most likely be the next Speaker of the House. She'll return to the Speaker's gavel. What is the agenda going to be for this new uh, House coming in uh, with divided government? Well, I think they, excuse me, I think that's something that um, is one of the results of the mixed result is it's not entirely clear. Um, I certainly think that whatever the uh, ideas are going for, they have to be more than just investigating Trump, although I'm on board with that. Uh, um, It has to offer uh, the people who were uh, uh, who were voting yesterday something substantive. It can't just be a reactionary uh, uh, Congress. And I think that if they return to the sort of bread and butter issues of health care, which I think energize a lot of people, I think those tax cuts um, agitated some people. 
Um, and, you know, particularly middle-class tax cut, which I think Trump uh, has signaled that he'd be on board with, uh, that would certainly be a priority. Uh, I think also they will uh, are making plans to look into some of the um, accusations that have been made against uh, Donald Trump, uh, certainly more so than the previous Congress. And all I can say is I hope the one caution I would issue to Democrats is that we not overreach. Uh, on this, uh, that we use whatever power we have now with some wisdom um, and some propriety. Um, as you say, it was, mixed, mixed. it was certainly a shot across the bow uh, for the White House, but it was not a, by any means a decisive blow. Um, and there are risks for us going forward, but there are also some real opportunities. So when you say you're interested in um, seeing investigations, one of the things that we learned from the last time um, a, a political party decided that they wanted to investigate and then move to impeach a president was that it was a very, very difficult uh, justification to make to the American people. And the, the American people punished them for that afterwards. It was the Republicans. The president yep. was Bill Clinton. Yep. And he was a hugely popular president. Uh, different scenario than it is with President Trump, who is hugely popular with Republicans, 88% approval rating, but he's not so popular with mainstream Americans. And there are some moderates who love the policies, but don't particularly like the presentation. So he doesn't have the same ironclad ability to weather a storm that a Bill Clinton had. But he does have a booming economy, low unemployment rate, and an overall market excitement around the creation of new jobs and, and repatriation of dollars back to this country that rivals the same kind of economic success that Bill Clinton had. So sure. do you see any danger in the, the Democrats kind of making this basically let's beat Donald Trump up for the next two years and not really implement an agenda on behalf of the American people? Absolutely. I think that is the primary risk uh, for the Democrats at this point. Um, and I think there are certainly a, a move to some degree in the party, um, certainly amongst the sort of the further left progressives. Um, I'm not sure that uh, Nancy Pelosi, I know people sort of hold her up as a, a boogeyman. Um, and if she wins again, fine. If she doesn't, I don't care. I don't have, I'm in California. I don't have a devout attachment to her. I think she's smart enough not to turn this into the party of bring down Trump. I will say, however, with his just recent move of firing Jeff Sessions and putting in charge of the Mueller investigation, uh, like his name is escaping me at the moment, but a guy who's been on record saying that he doesn't agree with the Mueller investigation. I think that that's already raising uh, a bit of a le the legitimacy of 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 the for the cost of providing a check to the president if he if his goal is to interfere with the Mueller investigation, which there is strong su suggestion with the firing of Sessions and putting in I wouldn't say a crony necessarily, but someone who supported him with the investigation. So I think had that move not happened and the Congress under Pelosi had moved, his, uh, had moved full uh, speed ahead to investigate him, um, I think that would be a danger. But I do think it's a very real possibility that Trump will try and derail some of these things. Who knows? I can't predict it 100%, but he's made a pretty dramatic move so far, two dramatic moves so far. But I think you're absolutely right. We do have to be cautious with that. Um, we absolutely have to put real issues on the table. We have to be, we actually have to have a, a, an agenda that is an active idea. This is what we stand for. This is not just what we stand against. So I'm, I, I understand you are characterizing Jeff Sessions as having been 
Ah, okay. So I'm on CNBC.com. Embattled Attorney General Jeff Sessions resigns under pressure from Trump. Resigned, so, yes. Sorry, sorry. So he's resigned, yes. Right. So I'm the the uh, I'm I'm just as skeptical about the uh, the the well, actually, I'm not that skeptical because I saw this coming. Um, there yep. were precursors to this. We we were pretty sure that there was a possibility this could have happened this summer, but then the rhetoric was tamped down, and it seemed to me that the president telegraphed through uh, Sarah Sanders that. There would be no changes until after the midterm election. And now, as is the norm for presidential administrations at the two year mark where the midterm elections occur during the lame duck session, there are many, many changes in staffing from, uh, you know, inside the staffing of the White House to uh, certain changes being made in agencies such as, uh, you know, the Department of Justice. I, I'm not surprised to see that Jeff Sessions is leaving his recusal from the Mueller investigation without speaking to the president about it first really was the impetus for the kind of darkening of their relationship. So sure. um, I and I, I want to just push back just a tad on what you said about him appointing someone who's a crony. What my understanding is of Washington, D.C. at this point is mm-hmm. there's no one who's just a career appointee who has no political opinions. Yep. Pe- everyone who works there is on one side or the other. And it would be kind of imprudent for the president to choose someone who viscerally opposes him to run an investigation that really, in the opinion of multiple tens of millions of Americans, is a simple witch hunt brought about by the fact that a few people at the FBI's leadership didn't want President Trump to be the president. So I'm I'm I, I'm happy with the you know the conclusion of the investigation. I'm happy to see what the report says, but I in no way trust that the Mueller team, which everybody on the team has donated to the Democrats, everybody on the team has expressed a. Uh, preference for Hillary Clinton to be the president, I, I can't even see how they could possibly be impartial. And the fruit of the poison trees is the entire investigation is is a sham because it was all predicated upon the dossier, which was an opposition research document put together by someone who was disgraced in the intelligence community from overseas. And none of it has been validated. It was actually issued and then leaked to the media and then use that that media story was used in conjunction with the same document, the source document, to get the FISA application approved to tap Trump Tower and, and to begin to surveil this man while he was, uh, you know, on the campaign trail. We've never seen anything like this in the history of our country uh, from one political party to another, you know, outgoing administration to a possible incoming one during a campaign season. Um, what do you think about all of that? Well, I am not of. Let me, I take away the word crony. I don't think he's a crony. You're right. Everyone has some political um, affiliations. I mean, that said, you know, there. But I guess on the other hand, I'm not. I I, I would say this. You know, Bob Mueller was a person who was enormously well respected by both Republicans and Democrats prior mm-hmm. to taking this position. Um, if people felt that he was biased. In life, that should have been his reputation before he took that. I think that started to come out um, more when there was a partisan, more of a partisan attack on the people he was hiring. I do, you are right that many of the people have donated um, to the Democrats or the public, but I also have to say that I, I think it's important to, you know, I like to think that the Republicans who are appointed to the Supreme Court can act impartially. Just because they are may have donated to a Republican doesn't mean that they are only going to side with Republicans. I'd like to think that. I like to think that also about Democrats. 
so I think that uh, ask, saying that no one, can, you know, I, when I go to a jury, um, as I just finished jury duty, I may be against police brutality at a certain time, but that doesn't mean every cop I see I think is uh, is a you know rotten cop. So I'm I, however it was kicked off or initiated, I'm anxious to see the final report because I do believe in Bob Mueller's ability to be nonpartisan um, because that was his reputation. He ran the FBI under both Republicans and Democrats, and uh, you know, and Comey was a Republican. I mean, he, he, that was, he was, that's what he's, I think he's registered independent now. And I'm not a fan of Combs, let me be clear. Uh, so, I, however the investigation was initiated, I, I, I have every faith in it. And we'll see in the results. That's what I think Bob Mueller is a fair-minded guy. I think there is, from what has come out in the media, there is legitimate reason to believe that maybe not with Trump himself, but there among the broad circle of, of Trump's orbit, there were contacts with Russians. Or at least contact with Wikipedia, uh, uh, but I don't know. I again have to wait until uh, the report, and that's what going investigating this is for. Um, and we'll have to see. So uh, if, it, if it's a nothing burger, it's a nothing burger. But I am not. I don't. I guess for me, I'm not. I don't like, and I think we all do, both left and right. You say, oh, because this person is registered Republican, they can't see this objectively. Because this person is a registered Democrat, they can't see this objectively. And I think that's one of the dangers for all of us trying to find a way back to dealing with each other Democrat in a, in a sort of fair-minded way. One of the sad things about the election is that it seems to have hardened, you know, the right is now further right. The, the, the states that Trump won have, are now more solid in the red categories, the ones that the uh, uh, the Democrats have won now seem to be further in the Democrat column, and I don't know if there. I'm hoping there will be more room for us to get along and see that there's good faith on opposite sides and that kind of thing. So, uh, I, you know, so Sinke, I, I appreciate your going into that because I feel the same way. I feel like we are pretty entrenched on on our opposing sides, and I'm not sure how much good conversation happens from from those positions where we can't have any give and take on issues. But I do see a lot of demonization coming from um, just there's there's this idea that and and what's what's interesting about this idea that the president somehow colluded with Russia and is some kind of Russian agent and was placed in our presidency by Russians, because it, that's a tinfoil hat type of a thinking thing. Uh, you know, it, it just doesn't make any sense. We've never had a precedent like that before. And in today's information age, if that were the case, Mueller's investigation would have wrapped up a year ago with the impeachment of Donald Trump because it is so easy for them to find and run down these rabbit trails of communications. Even encrypted messaging isn't really encrypted messaging if you were the NSA or, you know, a governmental agency with ties to Google and Alphabet. So the the idea that President Trump is the president because of Russian interference is so demonstrably false and has already been proven so that it's kind of crazy that we still have the investigation, which is the reason why so many people who previously thought Mueller was a, a good nonpartisan representation of a, a career service government person, why that has been obliterated. But I, I have to ask you sure. if his his if, if this investigation is legitimate and if the Democrats continue to maintain that there was Russian collusion and that is the justification for them already tossing about all of this discussion about how they're going to prove using Trump's tax returns that he's a, a, a Russian agent. He's gotten money from the Russians. Why didn't the Democrats run on that? 
Look, I think that um, you can't. I, I don't think it's wise one to run purely a politics of personality. Even though I think we are becoming more and more politics of personality, I think that you know the um, the Trump the Trump the Republican Party is now Trump's Republican Party more than it's ever been. The people he spoke up for with one or two exceptions, they won. The people who spoke out against him lost. Um, like. Um, for example, who resigned, and then some other people were can't. So, and the people who captivated the imagination, like Beto in Texas, he was just a compelling guy. He almost turned Texas blue. And I, that actually makes me nervous. Like, I don't like the politics of personality. I like the politics of policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I, I, I'm glad the Democrats did not run explicitly on Trump being colluding with Russia, and I'm not claiming that he is did. Let me. I just want to be clear. Um, I'm just saying that is the basis of the investigation. It is going to tell us at the end whether he did or not. Um, I'm not of the mind. Let's stop the investigation uh, before we start it. If there's a compelling reason to look into it, let's do so, and then let's decide that there was nothing there or there was something there. Mm-hmm. And I certainly think there was at least as much reason to go into. Uh, the Trump campaign, I should say, is better brought away. Um, communication or talks with possible Russian conspirators, as there were, say, you know, the Hillary Clinton emails. Um, and, you know, I don't want to get back, you know, rehash history. But um, I don't, I guess I'm out of the mind. Let's cut down this stop the investigation before we have a conclusion. No, no, I, I feel like we're into it now. We're paying for it. It's, it's, uh, I consider it to be a con- total and utter waste of time and taxpayer dollars, but I would never, ever support shutting it off. I think we should go take it to its conclusion, issue the report, and then move on to other investigations. And I, I, we have just about um, like a half a minute left here, just not even that much time. But, oh, no, there's the music. I was going to ask you uh, about the president's kind of pushback, but... Uh, amazing analysis. Thank you for coming on today and for your reasoned and thoughtful approach to, you know, the, the left-right political spectrum. We need more of that. And uh, we, we appreciate your time today, Sinke. Thank you. Take care. All right. Talk to you again soon. That's Sinke Henderson. He's a writer for HBO's The Newsroom and author of Sit Down and Shut Up, How Discipline Can Set Students Free. We're going to be talking to you up next right after these messages. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Two zero three seven. Give us a ring. Let's talk about this uh, post-election melee that we're in. <laughs> Stacy on the right. We'll be right back. I just thank God for the Holy Ghost. If you will let him, he really will teach you all things. Have you ever made an excuse to someone why you were unable to do something or why you couldn't attend a certain event instead of just being honest and telling them you just were not interested? I think many of us have. Well, that's lying. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 17 says, an honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 1 in one translation says, dishonesty in business disgusts the eternal it disgusts god but fair dealing delights him false witness utters lies be faithful and consistent 
with being honest with others. Stop with the excuses and be truthful. There is freedom when our integrity and character reflects our Savior, Jesus Christ. What seems little to us are big to Him. With our for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Victory McIntosh. Connect with us more at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Family is an institution set forth by God. One man and one woman for life, with the outflow being children produced by that union. It's obvious to all that there is an attack on the family in our country, and especially on fathers. Whether it's the cycle of sin that persists in our families or the pressure from our government to exclude men from being intimately involved, the strategic battle is on for the souls of men. Join us in the battle to strengthen fatherhood. UrbanFamilyTalk.com Listen to Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on Urban Family Talk. She's sharp. I mean, did you hear that? Pointed. Remember that you're not only a Christian on Sunday. And insightful. Deception and lies have been accepted as the norm from the Democrats. But most of all, she's on the right. That scripture from the Bible that says the heart of the fool inclines to the left just kept popping into my mind. Stacy on the Right. Now heard weekday afternoons from 2 to 4 Central on Urban Family Talk. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. When she became pregnant, Misty was the mother of six. The youngest had just started full-time school and she'd gotten a job. Misty thought abortion was the only option, so she went to Planned Parenthood and took the first of two abortion pills. She immediately regretted it and was able to reverse the abortion through abortion pill rescue. Then her unborn baby was diagnosed with Down syndrome, yet she fought off advice to abort. Her son Tig was born very early, and while he was still in the hospital, Ms. D's husband died. This widow with seven children doesn't regret choosing life for her baby. Tig was sent here to me for a reason, she said. He puts a smile on my face every single day. This is a woman of faith. For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org. And stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Well, uh, if they want to impeach President Trump, I would give them some advice. I've been there, done that with Clinton. Didn't work out for us. <laughs> I would think twice about it. Uh, it will blow up in their face. Now, infrastructure, there's a natural fit for both parties to build out the infrastructure of this country. Uh, DACA for the wall, there's actually something you can do on immigration. Maybe prison and sentence reform and maybe some other things. But the reason we won is I think Kavanaugh united our party. The care of the caravan was a front to our sovereignty. The economy was good, and President Trump worked his butt off uh, to get out the Republican base vote. And uh, I'm, I'm feeling really good now. This is a good night for Republicans in the Senate. Cory Gardner did a great job. Uh, we're just going to have to find common ground with the Democrats in the House. If they want to investigate Trump to death and try to impeach him, then uh, it'll blow up. Wow. So that's Lindsey Graham doing a little bit of a you know post analysis and and I, look. It's not the optimal situation. The optimal situation is that it would have been a total red wave last night and that we would have seen uh, all of the Republican candidates swept into the House and they'd have a supermajority so that when all of the people who are so picky they can't even 
agree on what day it is or what the color of the sky is. Those people could go off in the corner and scratch each other's eyes out. And they're Republicans, by the way. They go in the corner and scratch each other's eyes out. The Democrats would just keep banging on scraping doors with their fingernails and, and acting like lunatics. And real Republicans who have an agenda to accomplish could get together and pass legislation that would go to the Senate, which is controlled by the Republicans, and and so on and so forth. Do I wish that we would have had 56 or 57 Republicans in charge over the past two years? Absolutely, because there would have been no excuse. The pressure on the House of Representatives would have been so strong for them to get things done. But we didn't have that, and now we do. So that means we're going to get judges. Now I'm going to give you some perspective, then we're going to go to the phones. You can call in. Join us at 866-963-2037. Uh, You know, losing the House is a setback, but the average president, if you look back over the past 25 years, loses 37 seats in their first midterm. Obama lost 63. Clinton lost 53. And as of right now, Trump has lost 26, 27, thereabouts. We still have some races that we're waiting to final out. Advancing in the Senate by five seats is a historic, monumental achievement and shows that there, there is some strength yet there in the Trump movement. And this is the Trump Republican Party. Whether people like it or not, his agenda and his methodology, the Trump doctrine, is what is ruling the day here. And candidates who didn't buy into that were ousted last night. Candidates who did and also ran good campaigns and had GOTV that worked, they won. That's the lesson here. So we need to gird our loins and be very positively minded about what's going on here. Uh, so let's go to the phones. We have Daniel in Indiana. Daniel, thank you so much for calling Stacy on the right. Hey, Stacy, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. Hey, I just want to really quick, I'm in a truck, I'm a truck driver, so I just want to say quickly, the gentleman that you had on for the analysis, I completely disagree with him. Okay. Um, uh, you know, the sham that was put on all the way from the dossier, and all the evidence that's out there now, um, unfortunately, everybody that's involved with that coup, they took the Constitution, they took our Declaration of Independence, they wadded it up, and they threw it on the floor, and they stepped all over it. They cheated the American people, and they should be held to account to the highest, highest standard. So I don't disagree with you. And I will, I will even go as far to say that, because one of the things I wanted to ask him was, are you planning on, like, what, what's your... What's your acceptance of the fact that people who did all of the things that we're talking about, they need to be indicted as well? Um, and we ran out of time, but I'm, here's, here's what I heard the president say today in so many words. I'm paraphrasing. He said that if the Democrats want to work together, he's basically telegraphing that he's going to tack to the middle a bit, and it, and it may cost him a little bit with the base, but he's going to tack to the middle to get some things done. He's going to be willing to horse trade like nobody's business on that wall, funding for it, the end of chain migration. He's going to give some amnesty out if he needs to, to these DACA recipients in order to get those things done. And I don't think the base is going to be completely opposed to that. There will be people who lose their minds, but for the most part, people are going to say, but I'm sorry, are they getting the, they getting the wall done? Uh, are, are we getting the end of chain migration? Are we going to have real E-Verify? We haven't heard the president talk about E-Verify at all. I wrote a piece that's up in Newsweek right now about E-Verify and how important it is that we use that simple common sense tool that takes very little money to implement to, to shore up our immigration system. So I, it is a witch hunt. But I want to see some prosecutions from the other side. The president said this morning, 
you know, if Nancy Pelosi wants to play the investigation game, then we might need to really, you want to look into Kavanaugh? Let's look into him. Let's prosecute some people who brought false statements. Let's find out who really leaked the statement, uh, the private letter uh, from Christine Blasey Ford. Let's get into some investigations and then let's have everyone get prosecuted. If everyone's going to be investigated, everyone gets prosecuted. And that means heads will roll all over the place. It won't just be this constant mantra about Republicans and all these indictments, which, by the way, none of them are for Russian collusion. They're all for wrong acts that were happened well before any of these people ever knew Donald Trump. That is the truth there that you're not getting from the media. And the lies and deceit that we're seeing from the media is just so disgusting to me right now. And it is the reason why Donald Trump, as people say, spun out of control today. What did you expect? Jim Acosta's yelling so hard, spit was probably flying out of his mouth onto the president. It, it was an utter disgrace, Jim Acosta, this morning. All right, let's go to the phones. We have Ed in Tennessee. Thank you so much for calling the show today. Thank you, uh, uh, Stacey, and I do appreciate you uh, taking my phone call. Sure. My concern with since the Democrats took the House again about the tax cuts that uh, Trump was wanting to do and the immigration, because this immigration thing is a serious situation that's been going on for years. Mm-hmm. And my mom came from, Austra- um, from Vienna, Austria, okay? She came over here the right way. She had to. And with these Democrats complaining about these, letting all these immigrants coming in the way they are, letting, just letting them come in, um, it just angers the daylights out of me that they're saying that Trump is doing what he is. He is trying to protect this country. Mm-hmm. And, and I, it just really concerns me that, that great deal with that along with the tax cuts and everything. And this, this Obamacare is so, it's so ridiculously a joke. It is. It is. Well, let me address your comment, Ed. Thank you so much for calling in today. Um, I, I just, I want to, I want to make it clear that the, them having control of the purse strings means they will go after the tax cut. But the good news is, No tax cut repeal or anything that has to do with raising taxes gets past a Republican Senate. None of that gets past the Republican Senate. And if any kind of compromise bill were to reach the president's desk, there's no way he's undoing anything that's driving the economy. He's said that giving the uh, Democrats control of the House means actually hamstringing the economy and reversing the gains that have been made. So he understands this better than anybody. And he never signs. I'm willing to put 25 cents on it because I'm not a betting woman, but the president never signs anything that undoes his signature legislative accomplishment from the first two years in office, which was the tax reform package. Uh, Let's go back to the phones. Let's talk to Brittany in Georgia. Hey, Brittany, thanks for calling the show. Hi, Hi, Cece. How are you? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Okay, just just really quickly. I'm a teacher, mm-hmm. um, African-American, and I would consider myself, like, in the middle. Um, okay. I like to listen to both sides and see who has the best plan. Um, but in regards to rhetoric, this is where I've always had my issues with Donald Trump, and maybe you can help me figure this out as an educator. Um, the things that he says plus the things that he does, it's kind of hard for me to square when I'm relaying that message to our youth. Because I'm here as a somewhat of a moral leader, you know, as a Christian in the classroom, as a moral leader, 
trying to explain to them, like, hey, you know, when the president says this, um, yeah, he probably shouldn't say it like that, but this is what he means. And mm-hmm. constantly finding myself as educator just doing that when he gets, I mean, just let's just use the old example. I know it's played out, but old example of him saying, you know, Mexicans are, most of them are racist and murderers, but some of them may be good. Now, as an educator, if I were to step in the classroom and say something like that, I'm immediately losing my license, as I should. Mm. Well, so I how think how do I swear that as an educator with students? I'm I'm with you that that was a tough one, but we he was referring specifically to all of the rapes that are going on down at the southern border. Twenty five hundred children raped every year in Texas over a sustained number of years. He found that found that out uh, during his you know briefings and different information that he was getting as in the run up to him being elected president. And when he started looking into that information and started talking about it. That is when he really his rhetoric changed because he was literally learning about all of these crimes that have been committed by illegal aliens. So he wasn't very specific. Obviously, not all Mexicans are rapists, but many of the people who come here illegally engage in that kind of behavior, the sex trafficking, the human trafficking, uh, the, the assaults, rapes, kidnappings, murders. Uh, drug dealing. That is what he's talking about with a very specific subset of people who come from south of the border. And it's the ones who come here illegally. Law abiding immigrants, people who come here legally are, are actually more law abiding than the general population. So you've got it's a lot of information. It's very complex. I respect you for trying to moderate the comments. I expect we'll see his tone soften up a bit. Um, but the truth is the truth. And so it's always the best policy. Even if the truth comes out in a harsh way, the truth can cut, but those are the wounds of a friend. Uh, So let's go to, uh, thank you so much for calling the show today, Brittany. Uh, Chris in Arizona, Arkansas. Chris in Arkansas. Arkansas. (laughs) Thanks for calling the show. I was going to ask you about, uh, you know, about the thing that happened with Jim Acosta. He needs to be barred from the White House. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, He put his hands on a woman. On yeah. national TV, battery. He needs, be, he's, he needs to be gone. Absolutely, it is. He he needs to he take his his his, his hard pass. TV. Absolutely. So yeah, you know, he, J- Chris, he has a hard pass. So Chris, uh, Jim Acosta has a hard pass into the White House, which means that he doesn't have to have an appointment to be there. A hard pass holder can go in and out of the White House entry points. Um, because it's assumed that he is always on business because he has a hard pass. Uh, it's basically like he works there. And I think his hard pass should be revoked. The president needs to reject that. Yeah, it needs to be revoked. Absolutely. And he could yeah, definitely I mean, be given one of the daily passes. A woman on national TV. Absolutely. Thank you so much for calling the show, Chris. I'm, I'm, one of my, my main issues with that is if I want to go to the White House because I've not been designated White House correspondent for American Family Radio or Urban Family Talk or anything like that, where I could apply for a hard pass and go in whenever I wanted. If I go to the White House, I apply for a pass and I get it for that specific appointment. It's not even a whole day pass. It's a pass for a specific amount of time. That's what Jim Acosta should have. And I know some people say, well, you guys are overreacting. No, no, we're not. He stood there and yelled at the president of the United States and he would not sit down. And I know a lot of people are upset with the way the president behaved, but I've had Democrats yell in my face before. I've had them put their finger up in my face and literally jab it back and forth to where I had to kind of lean back a little bit. And then when I told them, we're done talking, step back, they didn't look like they were going to move. And I, I remember looking around and assessing the situation and thinking, you know, I need to exit this situation because this person is in my personal space. 
That is similar to what the, the, the behavior of Jim Acosta is on a regular basis. He may not have put his finger in the president's face, but he was yelling at him from within arm's distance. That is unacceptable behavior, and it should not be permitted. Uh, let's go to Tony in Georgia. Tony, thanks for calling the show today. Yes. Stacey, you are a breath of fresh air every day. Thank you so much. I love you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Uh, just uh, want to talk about the uh, voter oppression that they're talking about in Georgia here. don't know how much you've heard of it, but it's I heard about it. Not, I'm not here. buying it, but yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not buying it either. Uh, you know, I think uh, Kemp should have uh, resigned from the, from his office when he started running for governor. But besides that, all the, uh, the, uh, they're saying that it's polling places. There were two hours wage and they ran out of, uh, paper ballots and all this mm-hmm. stuff, but that's not really the, uh, a state problem. That is your uh, local problem. That is a mm-hmm. problem that they need to take up with, with their local County commissioners. Yes. Thank um, you. Thank you for that, that point, Tony. I'm, I'm serious. I'm, Thank you for that point. So when this morning during the press conference, when someone asked the president, are you um, do you take responsibility for the voter suppression in Georgia? And he said the elections in this country are locally run. That is the reason elections are locally run, because anything that's run by the government where the government bureaucracy is in Washington, D.C., and the actual events are happening on the ground in states means you're going to have people who can't be held accountable for what what went on. So if the people of Georgia I don't care what your political affiliation is. If you were disenfranchised or you felt that you were you were not given the proper opportunity to vote, the the person who's responsible for that is your local municipal elector, the the person who runs that particular precinct. And then you go up from there. I mean, I know we want to blame Donald Trump for everything, but how could he possibly have controlled the election processes in Georgia? He was gallivanting across the country on Air Force One, attending rallies. Come on. He had nothing to do with it. We will ask you, good listeners, if you're in the call queue and you want to hold on, stay right there. Otherwise, if we're saying good night to you right now. God bless you from the heartland. We have OneNewsNow.com news and information up next. Family Talk.